All right, good afternoon. How you guys doing? Good, good. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Uh, this is just a really cool weekend, a weekend to uh, have some time off, but uh, more importantly, a weekend to remember the people who have sacrificed for us and our country, and I love what Sue said earlier about that, and it's the truth. I myself have two younger brothers who are Marines, and I am proud of them and thankful for them and their service, and if you or a loved one that you know uh, or is, is part of the service or has been part of the service, I thank them as well. Um, but I'm so glad that you guys are here today as we are kicking off a brand new series called Beyond Ordinary. And the purpose of this series is to look at the life that Jesus wants us to live because the truth is he didn't just come here to save us and bring us to heaven. Like he did that. That was a big, that was like the major part of what he did. But he also came to change our lives here and now. He didn't want us just to have an ordinary life. He wanted us to have an extraordinary life. So we are looking at what it means to go beyond ordinary in different aspects of our life. And today, we're going to talk about this concept of honesty, uh, specifically how Jesus calls us to live a life that goes beyond ordinary honesty. And to get us going, I want to have some fun with you all today. Uh, we're going to play a, a little game that involves lying. Um, I know that makes perfect sense. We're going to talk about honesty, but we're going to practice lying here together. So it's going to be a really good time. Uh, but I want to play a game with you called Two Truths and a Lie. How many of you guys have heard this game? All right, a bunch of you. Awesome. Well, if you don't know what this is, what's going to happen is it's like a youth group game or a good uh, icebreaker game for small groups and things like that. But I'm going to give you three statements about myself. And two of these statements are going to be truths, and one of these statements is going to be an outright lie about myself. And your job is to figure out which statement is a lie. You got it? Ready to play? Awesome. Here we go. Uh, so uh, statement number one, I failed my freshman year of chemistry class in college. Uh, statement number two is Jake and the Neverland Pirates is one of my favorite TV shows. And statement number three, I used to be a paper boy when I was younger. Okay, so three statements. Two of these are true. One of them is a lie. How many of you guys think number one, by show of hands, I failed my freshman year chemistry class in college? By show of hands, you think this is a lie? Okay? All right, number two, Jake and the Neverland Pirates. If you don't know, this is like a kid's show. Jake and the Neverland Pirates is one of my favorite TV shows. Show of hands, how many of you guys think this is the lie? All right, we're kind of mixed here. This is, this is good. And number three, I used to be a paper boy when I was younger. Show of hands, I, this was a lie. This really mixed. This is perfect. This couldn't have played out better. Okay, that's what you guys thought. The truth is the lie is actually number one. I never failed my chemistry freshman year chemistry class in college. I dropped out of my freshman year chemistry class. Big difference. I did not fail, but I dropped out. Uh, I love Jacob and Everland Pirates, one of my favorite TV shows right now. Me and Noah watch it all the time. And I used to be a paper boy as, when I was younger. It was good times, good times. Uh, but you get to the point of the game, right? You get the concept. Awesome. Now you get to play. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you guys a few minutes. I want you guys to turn to people around you. Maybe pick someone you don't know really well, because if they know every piece about you, it's going to be hard to play this game. But take a couple minutes and play Two Truths and a Lie. Now here's the deal. Make the lie good. I'm giving you permission to lie at church. Take advantage of this. Take a couple minutes. Play Two Truths and a Lie with a couple people around you. Go ahead. All right. So... There's lots of laughter going on. You may have not gotten through the whole thing. That's okay. You guys can practice lying after this. That's all right. But uh, lots of laughter. I'm sure there were some good ones. Um, but hey, that's what it is. But this shows, just, just what this shows is we all 
have an ability to lie. Now, I granted I set you up for it. I kind of set you up to fail here. Um, but we all have this ability uh, to, to mess up, maybe stretch the truth or lie. And by show of hands really quick, how many of you before have told a lie or stretched the truth or wasn't completely honest with somebody? By show of hands, how many of you guys have done that? All right, thanks for being honest. I appreciate it. And if you didn't raise your hand, liars. <laughs> but even from an early age, I think, and I think we all see this, we have a natural tendency to not live a life of honesty. We either lie or tell half-truths or stretch the truth or just avoid the truth altogether. It's something we do uh, for our own convenient purposes. Now, if you've been around at River Glen for a while, you know when I talk, I like to tell stories about my life. And recently, someone asked me, like, hey, what are you going to do when you run out of stories to tell? And my reaction was, well, that's why I have kids, because they're just endless stories. Uh, and I have another story to tell you about my most favorite famous character who in my stories right now, that's my almost three-year-old Noah. Uh, you guys have been hearing a lot about him lately, but Noah is almost three, and he's at this stage where he is constantly talking and constantly asking questions. It's pretty fun, to be honest, but it's also, to be honest, we're speaking honestly today, it's exhausting. And if you have kids, you totally understand what I'm talking about. It's a constant barrage of, hey, can I have a snack? Can we play baseball? Can we watch Barney? And my, my wife hates that question because she hates that show with the passion of like a million sons. She just hates Barney, stupid dinosaur to her. Uh, it's question after question after question. And recently I was in another room. I forget what I was doing, but I overheard Noah approach Danielle. And he says, Mommy, can I have a snack? And she told him no for whatever reason. It doesn't matter what the reason was. My wife said it, and that was the right answer. Uh, but she told him no. And that should have been the end of it. But then I hear this little feet patter around and comes find me. He's like, Daddy, can I have a snack? And you just know he's working the system like every good kid does. And, I, you know, I didn't, you know, say yes to that because I'm not stupid. I heard my wife just say no. So I just respond to him, say, hey, what what'd your mommy say? And his little brain starts computing. He looks up at me and she, he, she goes, she said yes. <laughs> what a little liar. He's not even three, and he knows how to lie to me already. And here's the thing. I just want to be clear. I didn't teach him how to do that, and Danielle didn't teach him how to do it. It was natural. There's like this evilness inside of him that's coming out of him. He's lying already for his own gain. But it's something we all do. It's something I think we all struggle with. Now, I'm not here to say that every single person in this room has like a problem with just lying. and just It's, it's, it's a habitual issue that you deal with. Some people may be here, um, but it's something I still think no matter where we are, we all struggle with it. Now, you know, you may be one of those people who you tell the truth no matter what. It's who you are. You're proud of it. You will always speak the truth no matter the situation. But let me ask you a question. Do you ever avoid saying something negative out of fear of hurting somebody else? Or have you been known as a person who always speaks the truth, but also known as a person that when you speak that truth, it comes across as a little harsh? Or maybe you're a person that just struggles to tell the truth out of fear of rejection or how it may affect your life. Either way, I think we all have dealt with that or done that or practiced that at some point in our lives and still do it to this day. And even in the midst of that, I'm not, you know, this idea of speaking truth and honesty, I'm not telling you something groundbreaking here. I think every person in this room would agree that honesty is a good thing to live by. You should tell the truth. It's a basic ordinary thing that we should live by. Ordinary honesty is good. But my question is, why settle for ordinary? When Jesus came to give us, give us extraordinary. 
And that's the whole purpose of this series. We're going to look at what it means to live an extraordinary life. And part of that is, is we need to go beyond our ordinary understanding of what honesty is all about. Throughout this series, we're going to look at some truths that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul, Paul's goal was to write to them to teach them about the extraordinary life that Jesus came to give us. It's a fantastic book, and I would highly recommend it throughout this next five weeks of this series to go through and read Ephesians a few times, get to know it, understand the life that Jesus wants to give us. And this was the purpose of Paul's letter. At one point towards like the middle and later on of his letter, Paul uh, talks to them and tells them the importance of being united together in Jesus. He talks about how we should love one another and be patient with one another and be humble and be gentle towards one another. He talks about how we have gifts and roles to play within the church. And then he then says this in verse 14 and 15 of chapter 4. He says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. This is what Paul says. Paul is saying that when we do these things, when we love one another, be patient with one another, be humble together, be united in Christ, essentially we grow up when we practice this. Now, if you're a Christ follower here today, um, this, this is you. Now, if you're not, if you are here and you're not, you wouldn't consider yourself a Christ follower, that's okay. I am so glad that you're here right now. I hope you enjoy your experience here at River Glen. And I'm asking you this this week, right now, this next few minute, moments, is I want you to listen and see that this, what we're talking about, is what Christians should aspire to live by. And if you hear you're not a Christ follower, that's okay. This is just a glimpse into that, and maybe you can use some of this to put it into practice in your own life. But if you are a Christ follower here, this is something that should happen. We should grow up. We should mature in our faith in Jesus. Our walk with Jesus should get bigger and stronger and, and, and more faithful as we Go along. Let me put this in a physical sense. Um, a lot of you guys know, if you don't know, a little over a month ago, my wife Danielle and I, we welcomed our second child into the world, uh, another boy named Drew Michael Stevenson, and he is so cool. He's so innocent and, and awesome and little. Like, it's weird, like, holding three-year-old Noah now and then having little Drew. Um, but Drew is so precious. Uh, but here's something about Drew. He needs us to do everything for him. It's kind of ridiculous, but seriously, he needs us to feed him. My wife is breastfeeding him, so she, he, he relies on Danielle for his survival. He relies on us to bathe him, to change his diaper. Uh, we, we, we have to talk in weird baby noises to him. It's something we just naturally do. I don't know why we do that, but that's what we do for him. And we, and we engage in him, and we teach him, and we force him to do belly time so he gets stronger. If we don't do those things, Drew would not survive. He's an infant. He needs our help. He's a baby. But that's fine, right? That's, that's acceptable. It'd be weird if we didn't do that. But I want you to do this. Imagine like five years from now, okay? And you walk into to River Glen and you see me holding five-year-old Drew like a little baby. Like I'm holding my five-year-old like this. And I'm walking him, rocking him and things like that. That's kind of weird. And then, you know, Danielle has to take him back to the mother's room at kid, in Kid Life Hallway to still breastfeed him because that would be kind of awkward and weird. Am I right? See, okay, just, just admit it. It's weird. 
awkward. And then, you know, my five-year-old son, I have to burp him after he's done. My five-year-old, my, you know, who, who knows how big he is, but I have to lug him up on my shoulder and, 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 and burp him. And then he, you know, poops his diaper. And you see me, like, in the middle of the lobby, and I put him down. And I change my five-year-old's diaper, and I talk to him like, oh, Drew Bear, did you go poopy? Oh, let me take care of you. And I clean my five-year-old's butt. Weird, right? You'd probably question my parenting skills if this is the case five years from now. But here's the thing. Drew needs to grow up. He will grow up. Don't tell my wife that. She thinks he's going to stay little forever. But he physically needs to grow up. And just like we physically need to grow up, we also need to spiritually grow up. When we first come to follow Christ, we are like infants. We are like babies. We need other people to help us, to feed us spiritually, to, to teach us the Bible, and to help us pick us up when we fall and stumble and still struggle with the old life. We are infants in our faith. But the more we follow Jesus, we need to learn and grow up. And honestly, a lot of us in this room, we could, you know, use this little pep talk right now. We need to grow up. In our faith, we need to own our faith and spiritually feed ourselves. Paul says this happens when we focus on being more united with Jesus and in Jesus with other people and loving each other rather than focused on our own selfish desires. And he says this is necessary because in our world there's all kinds of lies and deceits that's going to sway us, especially if we're still infants in our faith. It's going to drag us one way or another. But when we stay with Jesus and we grow up and we mature... We know the truth, and then it leads us to speak the truth in love. And this right there, this action of speaking the truth in love is huge. This is how we go from ordinary honesty to beyond ordinary honesty. This is why we move from ordinary to an extraordinary life that Jesus came to give us. It's one thing to speak the truth. It's a completely new level to speak the truth in love. This is where we have tough conversations with people, not just to beat them over the head with the truth, but because we do it because we love them and we care for them. This is where we don't avoid tough conversations out of fear of offending someone because we faithfully and carefully and lovingly go to them because we love them and we love Jesus. We want the best for them. And when we do this, when we speak the truth in love, we become the person and the church that Jesus wants us to be. This is part of the, of the beyond ordinary life that Jesus came to give us. So let me ask you, if you were to like grade yourself right now on what type of an honest life or an honest and true and loved life you're living, if you're speaking honesty and love, how are you doing with that? Because what I've found, maybe you can relate, this is not an easy thing to live out. Sometimes we speak truth and it comes across harsh Sometimes we just avoid truth altogether, and honestly, sometimes we lie like a three-year-old. This can be a very difficult thing to do. I actually found this graph from another pastor to kind of help us explain this situation a little bit more. And this is what it is. Right here, you have this in your notes. Um, but we have this graph, and over here on this side, we have loving and not loving. And on the bottom, we have not true and true. And we fall in one of these quadrants all the time. When we fall up here. We live in this top left quadrant. This is the loving but not true quadrant. When we live in this, this is the, this is the honest life we live out. What happens here is what lives here is flattery or uh, codependence or dishonesty or sin tolerance. That's what makes their home here. We, we love so much that we're not willing to speak truth in the people's lives. 
That's what happens when we live in this quadrant. And then down here, bottom right, in this quadrant, we have the truth area, but not loving. This is where we are slow to listen, quick to speak. We're full of truth, but it comes across as harsh. It's not founded and rooted in love. This is what happens when we live in this, is we hurt people, even though what we're saying is true. And in this bottom left, this, this is the quadrant of not loving and not true. And we have a name for people who do this, but we can't repeat it in church right now. Am I right? And honestly, we probably don't men- know many people who live in this quadrant because people who live in this quadrant honestly don't have many friends. Because in this quadrant, we're not loving, we're not true, we are just hurtful. This is what happens when we live in this quadrant. But the top right, this is where God wants us to live. This is where love and truth intersect. This is where we have tough conversations with people out of love. This is where we don't avoid truth because we're afraid to offend somebody. This is the life that Jesus calls us to live when it comes to us being honest with one another. It's truth and love. And the truth is, we all live in one of these quadrants. And if you want to be truthful with yourself right now, you have this little graph in your notes. Why don't you, either right now or later, maybe even mark where you think you live out most of your honesty, whether it's with truth and without love or with love or no truth. We live in one, one of these quadrants. Um, this is how, how it plays out sometimes. I'm going to go back here because i got to set this next one up. But my wife and I, you guys can still hear me, right? Awesome. My wife and I, we're coming up on our seventh anniversary this July. Okay, And right now she is doing so good just being a wife and a mother. Um, you know, she's on maternity leave right now and all that kind of crazy stuff. And she's doing so good. But honestly, guys, to be honest, I need to step up my game for our anniversary this year because she deserves this. And she's sitting over there right now thinking, amen. Now, here's the situation. So, you know, our anniversary's come up in July. And imagine that I, you know, make reservations for a really expensive restaurant in our area, and I set up the babysitter, and we're all good to go, and I come out for my hot anniversary date, rocking this. Seriously, some of you guys are like, ugh. What would you say to me if I came out for my my seventh anniversary dinner with my wife, who is at home with two kids right now, a three-year-old never listens, and a a, a six-week-old that always is needing to eat and change his diaper and things like that. She's ready for a night out, and I come out dressed like this. Now, if you lived in the bottom right quadrant, right here, this is probably how you would react to it. Like, are you an idiot? Like, that's the ugliest sweater I've ever seen in my life. You, there's no way that you thought this was a good idea for you to actually wear this on your date with your wife. Take it off. Truth, but no love and maybe a little hurtful. Okay, but that, that would have been you. Now, if you live in the top left, this, this, this loving but not true quadrant, you might say, oh, that's so funny, Brandon. You know I love your, 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 your weird sense of humor sometimes. And I think Danielle's going to really love this whole, like, you know, Christmas in July theme you're putting on. And that sweater really makes your gray hair, you know, just stick out. You know, it, it's, it's really cool. Enjoy your date. Yeah, you would cause the, my death if you told me that and I went out like this, Okay. That's what would happen if we live in this quadrant. Now, if you lived in this quadrant, this not loving, not true, you'd be like, are you, are you serious? This is the stupidest thing you have ever thought of in your entire life. Of all the pathetic husbands in the world, you are the worst. You must be the president of the husbands who sleep on the couch at nightclub. Just, you see what I mean? We don't have friends like that, hopefully. That, that's rough. But this is where, uh, what, what people would live that out with, with not love, not truth. But none of those, none of those ways is what God wants from us when it comes to speaking truth and love. 
Even though we're truthful, if there's no love, it's not what God wants. Even though we're loving, but there's no truth, that's not what God wants. God wants something more from us. He wants us to live in this quadrant that's full of love and full of truth. And that would play out like this. Like, Brandon, you know, I love you. And, and, and you do like to try funny things sometimes. And you like to make your wife laugh. But this is not one of those times. This is a big deal for you and Danielle, and now she's looking forward to this day. So in your best interest, I highly recommend that you change out of the ugly Christmas sweater. I'm just trying to look out for you. And I would change, and you would have saved my marriage. Heroes you would have been. Now, this is, you know, I'm having some fun with this, and I'll take this off because this is really ugly and uncomfortable. But this is how this plays out sometimes. Like I said, I try to have some fun with this, but honestly, sometimes what we do is we live out lives, and sometimes we just speak truth, but no love. And sometimes we speak a lot of love, but there's no truth, and when we do that, we're not helping each other. We're just protecting what really needs to happen. And for some of us, we speak no truth and no love, and that just leads us to simply hurt people. But Jesus came to give us something more. Jesus doesn't want us to settle for ordinary honesty. He wants to take us beyond that so where we speak truth in love because it's the truth in love conversations that transform our lives. Jesus was the master of this. All of his conversations with people were filled with truth, sometimes difficult truth when it dealt with things like sin and things like that. But without fail, every one of those conversations with Jesus was rooted in love. In the book of Mark, we read about this rich young ruler who comes to Jesus wanting to gain eternal life. And Jesus knew something about this man. Jesus knew this man cared too much about his possessions to really truly follow Jesus the way he needed to. And so we read about this this, this, this instance that happens, this conversation that happens, and the author of this book of Mark, he wrote this situation. Jesus looked at him, Mark 10, 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then proceeded to have a tough conversation with him. It was a tough conversation that told the man that he cared more about his stuff than he did about his relationship with God. That's a tough conversation. That's extraordinary honesty because it was rooted in love the entire time. That's honesty that transforms. That is how we go beyond ordinary. Because when we don't speak truth in love, we fail. Without truth and love conversations, we fail to carry each other's burdens as Jesus calls us to. We fail to love each other. We fail to be patient with each other. We fail to mature as believers. Having truth and love conversations reveals that there is something bigger in this life. When we have truth in love conversations with people, it reveals there's something deeper and bigger inside of us. It's the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. It's God transforming our lives. That's what happens. That's what we show. When we have truth and love conversations, we're not just showing people truth. We're showing people the truth, the life, and the way. We're showing them Jesus Christ. That's what happens when we live out this idea of extraordinary honesty. But so often we live in these different quadrants. Most of the time we live in the top left with its love and no truth. Other times we live in the bottom right with all truth but no love. We live in those quadrants when we need to move to the love and truth quadrant. We need to live there. But how do we do that? Well, extraordinary honesty takes a couple of things. One, it takes submitting to Jesus. As a Christian, we have one goal in life, and that is to become more and more like Jesus. This is what an extraordinary life truly looks like, that we learn to live and love as Jesus did. 
But this doesn't happen until we give our lives over to Jesus and submit to his love and grace and authority. This is when he can come into our lives and transform us in every area, especially our honesty. That's when he takes us ordinary, broken people and heals us to be extraordinary children of God. If you're willing to listen, God is ready to have a truth and love conversation with you right now. He's telling you things like, listen, you've been trying to do this life on your own, and it's not going very well for you. You've got broken relationships. You're unfulfilled in life. You've struggled with sin. This is not the life that I want from you. And God says, I love you so much that I sent my son Jesus to come and rescue you. I love you so much that I gave you my son so that you could become my son, so that you could become my daughter. So give up that ordinary life and trust that Jesus is enough for you, God says. There you will find something extraordinary. And Jesus wants to have this truth and love conversation with you right now. For some of you, that's the truth and love conversation you need to hear today. You need to hear that Jesus offers you something more than this ordinary life that you've been living. He offers you this extraordinary life that can be only found in him. And maybe your step is to submit to Jesus. And you can take that step today and next week. You can show everybody this step by submitting to be transformed by Jesus through baptism. Baptism is our public way of declaring that Jesus has saved us and we are now living to be transformed by him. It's trading our ordinary life for something extraordinary. And if you're a Christ follower here today and you've never made this, your, this, this decision on your own, I know a lot of us are baptized as babies, but this is something that God calls us to do with our own decision. If you've never taken that step, this may be your next growth opportunity. We'll be doing baptisms during every service the next weekend, and you can simply sign up on the card in your program or at the info center or even online on our website. This could be a huge step for you submitting to Jesus because it's when we submit to Jesus that he changes us. That leads us to have truth and love conversations because no longer are we living by the world's standards, but rather we can now live boldly through Jesus' ways. It starts with submitting to Jesus, but then we need help to live out this extraordinary honesty by surrounding ourselves with other believers. And that's the second thing we need to do. We need to surround ourselves with other believers. Paul makes it clear that we are to be united with together in Christ. We are to do this thing together. Faith is not something we do on our own. It's not. Even though we think it is, this will help us live out truth and love. This is how we live in that fourth quadrant but so often we have this mentality, we think, I can do this on my own. I don't need other people to help me in my faith. And the closest we get to community is we come here on a weekend, we sit, we sing, we listen, we leave. And that's the closest we get to surrounding ourselves with other believers. We need to be around other Christ followers so we can encourage each other and sharpen each other to follow Jesus. We need this. This is why being in a group is so essential. This is why it's such a big part of what we do here at River Glen. Now, I know this is a tough step to take. If you're in a group, you get it. You like it. You love it. But there's a bunch of us here that have never joined a small group for whatever reason. I get that this is tough. It takes faith to put yourselves around other people to live out your faith, to encourage each other. But we think it's so important that we make it a big part of what we do here at River Glen. And we want to help with that. 
Now, we've never done this before, but this summer, we're launching a bunch of brand new groups to give you an opportunity to check this out, to try this out, to see that we are better together. We've got multiple groups kicking off, and you can check out the Resource Center for more information on these. But we have mixed groups. So it doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl, if you're married or not. This group is for you. You can join together and do a study together and get to know each other and see what it's like to be better together. We've got a women's book club starting where once a month you're going to get together with other women and discuss a book. You can, dis- you can check out that group together. If you're a college-age student, you're back from college, welcome back. Or if you're just a young adult college-age area, you're just living in Waukesha, we have a college-age young adult group that's still meeting throughout the summer. Check that out. We've got even a parent class kicking up. If you have a kid from ages 3 to 18, this class is going to talk about finances and, and how you can help teach your kids this important practice in life. You can check that out if you're a parent. We even have a 5K group starting. I'm serious. We've got a group uh, starting, uh, you're going to join together and train and get ready for a 5K run later this summer. And each time you get together on Saturday mornings for a group run, it's going to start with prayer and devotion and a chance to get to know one another. We have a bunch of groups that you can check out to see that better, we are toge- together we are better. There's options for everybody here. And I encourage you to check that out at the Resource Center before you go and maybe take that step to surround yourselves with other believers and see how that helps you live an extraordinary life. Doing these two things will help us in our goal to be truth and love people. It will help us be, truth, be a truth and love church. River Glen, we're all about making more and better followers of Jesus. That's what we're all, that's our mission, that's our goal. Everything we do is filtered through that goal. For that to happen, we need to move from an ordinary people to an extraordinary people. And that includes having truth and love conversations. Now, this may get a little messy. Truth and love doesn't always come across nice, pr- nice pretty, and easy and in a box. It gets a little messy because there's people who don't want to hear those conversations. Sometimes we don't want to hear those conversations, but it's necessary. And I don't know about you, but I'm willing to get a little messy for the people that I love. And that means I need to live out a life that speaks truth and love to those around me. It may cause me to be uncomfortable. It may cause me to even grow in my faith, but that's just something we strive for. We should strive for that, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we want to do that? I want to be known as someone who is willing to speak the truth, but I also want to be known as someone who loves people unconditionally like Jesus did. I want our church to be the chur- a church that teaches the truth no matter what the world says. But more importantly, I want to be a church that's known for loving people in our community so much that our, our community will never be the same because of how much we love them. This is what I want us to be like, and this is what it takes. We need to have truth and love conversations, and we need Jesus and each other to make that happen. So as we close today, I want to ask you a few, a few questions. Is there someone that you need to speak the truth and love to right now? Who is it? And what do you need to do to make that happen? Is there someone that you have spoken truth to, but it was without love? Maybe it was a little harsh. What do you need to do to make that right? Is there something you need to do to make sure that you are receptive to others speaking truth and love to you? And right now, is God trying to speak truth and love into your life? Are you listening? And how do you need to respond? In a moment... We're going to remember what it took for us to have an extraordinary life. 
And that was Jesus' death and resurrection through the cross. Every week we remember the sacrifice that he made through communion. We remember his body and blood. It is here that we remember in worship that we have a God that loves us so much. He's willing to speak truth and love to us so much that he came to rescue us through his one and only son. And he did just that by sending Jesus. Jesus has the power to take us ordinary, broken people and turn us into an extraordinary church that transforms our world in truth and love. Let's let him do that. Will you pray with me? God, thanks so much for this weekend as a chance to remember those who have sacrificed for us. And God, thanks for this moment where we can remember how you sent Jesus to be sacrificed for us so we can have an extraordinary life. God, help us to have truth and love conversations with people. Help us to fight the urge to be truthful but without love or fight the urge to be loving but without truth. God, help us to live a life of extraordinary honesty because that's what you do with us. And we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.